0: People, we have a couple people specifically that she has touched their lives. Um, you may remember Pastor Ty; um, he was a part of that school, as well as Adonai and I, who is in the house, I believe, he's serving right now in kids ministry. Um, and it's it's so cool to see the 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 fruits of the labor that's been going on there. So, can we give an incredibly warm welcome to our guest today, Doctor Debbie Lambre? Thank you so much for the privilege of being here. I love your staff. I've gotten to know most of them. And uh, wow, you, you guys have been blessed. You have been. You guys have been blessed. There you go. There you go. Thank you, Pastor Brent and Hosanna, for inviting me to be with you today. I do not take it lightly when a pastor invites me to preach because this is something that they are called to steward the giving of the Word of God to the people they are to shepherd. And so I am really honored to be trusted with this today. I've prayed, I've prepared. But I just want you to know you have honored me by letting me be here. What great people. I have gotten to spend some time with Hosanna over the last three years. Yeah. Uh, Helping the Oregon Assemblies of God reach women in ministry and uh, help support them. What an amazing person Hosanna is. Don't you love her? Yes. Yes. Pastor said that I am the program dean of Northwest University, Oregon, and that is true. (laughs) Uh, Our main campus is in Kirkland, Washington, and we are the region's university that's affiliated with the Assemblies of God. We're fully accredited and have great programs in things like nursing and recording and business and all kinds of things. But we... First and foremost, are committed to keeping Jesus at the center of everything we do. We are not Christian in name only. We uh, allow Jesus to permeate what we do. The Oregon campus is at the north end of Salem, and we're a commuter campus, so people come to campus once a week for class and uh, people can work that in as they are working full-time have families have other obligations our students are 18 to about 70 at this moment <laughs> and uh, yeah people preparing for ministry or saying uh, I've been doing ministry it's time that I get credentialed and have a little card to get me into places that you can't always get into <laughs> um, but also people majoring in business In psychology, communications, humanitarian leadership, and, of course, ministry leadership. So we are really grateful to be part of what God's doing in Oregon. God's not done in Oregon. Amen? We need a fresh move of the Holy Spirit in Oregon. And you and I get to be part of that. Yeah. Well, if you'd like more information about what we're doing at our campus, we have a table in the back. My business card is there. Feel free to call me or email me. be happy to, to engage with you. I grew up in Oregon in a large family. I have five siblings. The uh, oldest four were each about a year apart. Then came, after eight years, me and then my little brother about a year and a half later. So we were always called the little kids as opposed to the big kids. And, uh, of course, I didn't really like that very much because I wanted to be a big kid. <laughs> I didn't understand why I wasn't allowed to drive. <laughs> oh, but my my younger brother and I, I remember when we were really little, uh, there was one point where we had been given some money for Christmas, for birthdays, you know, how those things happen throughout the year. And we had the opportunity to go spend our money. That was so exciting. I mean, I was really little. And the idea of going to spend my own money and make my own choices, that was pretty amazing. We got to the store and I remember overhearing my parents talking to my little brother, who now is a great businessman, godly man, amazing man. He was probably two or three at this point. And he, he was very upset because I had more money than he did. And my parents said, well, she's been saving it. You've been spending it. <laughs> and he was so upset. I remember hearing him several times that day say, it's not fair. How many parents in the room have ever heard that phrase? Yeah. It's not fair. How many of us have ever said that? Yes. We live in a world that is not fair. You are in a series this summer called Summer in the Minors. And you're talking about and considering the messages of people the Bible calls the minor prophets. And ironically, in a way, that's not fair because they are pretty important. (laughs) They're not just minor But today we are going to eavesdrop on a conversation one of these minor prophets had with God. There's some back and forth that is so interesting because it's real life, it's the way that humans engage with a real God who's a person, He is not a thing. He's a person, and he hears us, and he talks to us. This prophet is named Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, or <laughs> Habakkuk. I, I think uh, the, the, the Hebrew pronunciation is Habakkuk. And uh, I don't know exactly how it's going to come out because that's not how I learned it initially. You know how that is. They change, you know, you learn a new pronunciation. The old one keeps coming out. So when I say a name that begins with H, you're just going to know who I'm talking about, right? Okay. Well, I encourage you to read these three chapters. I'm going to explain some of the background and what it means. But go home and read the whole thing. It's so good. God has really spoken to my heart and mind in the last few, uh, the last few weeks. Sometimes things in our lives are not fair, and it's more than my sister has more money than I do. Sometimes we don't get a job that we're more qualified for than the person who got it, or we don't get it for silly reasons. Sometimes we're the topic of gossip. Or hurtful talk about some part of our lives that's really no one else's business and people don't know the whole story and we can't tell them sometimes we don't get to work on a project or play on a team because the boss or the coach just doesn't like us very much or doesn't know us as well maybe it seems like we suffer in some ways but other people don't have to suffer or we suffer at the hands of someone who should know better but they get away with it. Sometimes things are not fair. Habakkuk understood that very personally. Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 show us that he was frustrated with the unfair circumstances that he was experiencing and witnessing among his people, the people of Judah. Judah. It says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. He's saying, God, I have been calling out to you, but you are still letting your people behave terribly. There are people doing horrible things to each other. And these are your people, God. Why are you not acting? Why are you letting this go on and on? It's not fair, Habakkuk was saying. In fact, he notes that the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. This is fundamentally not right. Even the justice systems that God had given his people were not working because people who are broken break justice systems. He said, this is not fair to those who are being oppressed, and I'm tired of it. Why are you making me look at this day in and day out? You're not stepping in and making it right. Sometimes you and I are the ones that experience unfairness directly in our person, and sometimes we witness it as others experience it. We don't see why people get away with evil, with crime, with sin. And honestly, when I I read about history, there are times that my heart says, "God, why did you let it go on so long?" I don't understand. I don't. Habakkuk is complaining to God and even confronting God about not doing what it seems he should do. And we see this in the Psalms also. Leaders, people God entrusted with speaking on his behalf to his people, kings and prophets, they actually in the Bible voice their complaints to God. And they confront God for what looks like his inactivity. And here is Habakkuk saying... God, you need to take care of this. I cannot stand it anymore. Where are you? Why? 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 Maybe there have been times in your life when you've asked God where he is. There have probably been times that you've asked God why. If you haven't yet, hang in there. (laughs) It's probably going to happen because we live in a broken world. Maybe there have been times that you complained to God, or maybe there are times you wanted to complain to God, but you weren't sure that was allowed. Habakkuk shows us it's okay to be honest with God. Guess what? He kind of already knows what we're thinking, (laughs) he's not terribly surprised. Well, here is one of many examples in scripture. Godly people complaining directly to God. In this book, we see Habakkuk's complaint, and then we see God's response. Then another complaint by Habakkuk, because he's not done, not understanding. And then another response, then a final chapter of Habakkuk's response to everything God has said. Look at the way this book ends. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. Habakkuk, he, this is, scholars think this is a song that he has written to the Lord. He writes, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines. Though, though the oil crop fails, f- olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and enables me to tread on the heights. Habakkuk ends the song, the, the, the book with a song. He says, even if I'm left with life, with nothing, or it seems like life is not working out for me, I choose to rejoice in God, my Savior. My hope is in God, not my circumstances. Habakkuk moves from a beginning of questioning and confronting to a conclusion of trust and peace and praise and joy. How did he get there? How did he get there? Well, let's look at the progression for a moment. I've titled this message From Why to to Wow. Why to Wow. Habakkuk's journey from frustration to faith, from panic to praise. First, I want us to notice that Habakkuk, Habakkuk, Mr. H, was honest. He was honest. We just read chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 and he was saying, your people are a sinful mess, God, and you are not doing anything about it. Why not? He was complaining and confronting God. Why are you not getting your people's attention and straightening this out? He's saying, I know this bothers you. It's worth taking a moment For us to just note what was going on that was so heartbreaking and angering to this prophet. These are God's people. He's not complaining about other nations. He's saying something's going on in your house, God. They were God's people and yet they were destroying. They were acting violently toward one another. They were causing strife and conflict. Even the justice system was not working because people were corrupt. What happens when there's violence and conflict and no justice? The weak and the vulnerable become even more oppressed. The wealthy and powerful get away with what they want even when it's wrong. Even when it's among God's people. We are God's people. I am not Jewish, but I've been grafted in because of what Jesus did. I am one of God's people. The sins that are addressed in the minor prophets are important to note because violations of justice by God's people is still sin today. Justice is not a political invention. It's part of the character and nature of God. So violations of that break his heart and break covenant with him. So what's next after Habakkuk complains to God and confronts God? Well, Habakkuk listens to God's response. In chapter 1, verses 5 through 11, we read that God responds to Habakkuk. He says, don't worry, I am going to punish the sin. I have it planned out. Habakkuk listened, and God said, I'm going to punish the sin. We need to know God doesn't punish sin because he just needs to get the anger out of his system. Mm-hmm. That's not who God is. He punishes to get people's attention and help them realize that they need him. Hello. Hello, amen, yes. when With God's people, there's a covenant, and there are blessings that come when we are faithful to the covenant. And we miss out on those blessings and get ourselves in all kinds of trouble when we don't. He told us where the blessing would be. To go looking for his blessing somewhere else is silly. God tells Habakkuk that not only is he going to punish the sin, but he also tells him how he's going to punish the sin. In the Psalms, when we read about these kinds of things, they're called... um, imprecatory psalms. I call them go get Them god psalms. (laughs) And it's, God, these people are driving me crazy. This is not fair. I'm in danger. Your people are in danger. Go get them. And by the way, in case you need some help, here are some ideas about how you could do that. Well, he hadn't given God any ideas, but God does tell him. What he's going to do. He says he's going to use the Babylonians. Some translations call them the Chaldeans. And historically that's the same group of people. This was shocking. Because the Babylonians were some of the most ruthless, violent, vile, ungodly people. With no reverence for God at all. So the next thing that we need to notice is that Habakkuk's next complaint and confrontation honestly questioned God's answer. In chapter 1, verses 12 to 17, he said, you're going to use worse sinners than us to punish the sins of your own people? He really confronts God's choice and says, you've got to be kidding me. You're going to use those people to judge your people. Sometimes God's ways surprise us. Sometimes God's ways catch us off guard. And maybe even don't make sense to us. And sometimes we can be astounded by God's ways. And Habakkuk is saying... This whole situation among your people, that's not fair. But God, you using them? That is even more unfair. He started, though, his response acknowledging that God is eternal. Even in comparison to the vile nation that thinks they will never fall. That God has said he's going to use. Verse 13, he says, Your eyes, God, are too pure. To look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? The punishment does not fit the crime God. It's even more unfair than your silence and your inaction. And this doesn't seem like you. But what Habakkuk does next is so wise. Don't miss this. He does something that we need to remember when we bring our honest complaints before God. Habakkuk waited for God to answer. Habakkuk got himself to a place where he could wait and listen for God to speak. When we are facing Unfair circumstances, difficult events in our lives. When it seems like God is silent or absent or maybe even seems like he's making it worse. When it seems like all hope is gone, we can honestly express our feelings to God. We can honestly share our thoughts with God. But then we need to listen. We need to get into his word. We need to get into his presence. We need to get away from distractions and not focus on the circumstances around us, but focus in on listening for his voice. And you know what? We don't know how long it was that he waited, but we do know that God spoke. As God spoke, Habakkuk was stretched. He was stretched as God answered again in chapter 2, verses 2 through 19. Habakkuk listened, listened, and he had to hear some things from God. Some of it he already knew. But God took time and communicated with him directly the things he needed to hear again. Sometimes you and I know things about God. But we need to get with him and let him personally remind us about who he is, his faithfulness, his justice, his wisdom, his power. You see, when that happens, we get stretched. We become more like Jesus because God changes the way we see the world around us. We begin to see things through God's eyes. And when he shares with us directly and personally his perspective, ours begins to shift. He shared his perspective on several things. God stretched his perspective by sharing his redemptive plan. He said, I have had a plan for redemption since before the foundation of the world and I am not done. This does not derail my plan. Aren't you so glad that the worst things that happen in the world cannot derail the plans of God? He reminded Habakkuk that his redemptive plan was still at work and even the Babylonians were not going to stop it. He also showed Habakkuk what time looks like from his perspective God's view of time is different from the way that you and I see time. He experiences time differently. In chapter 2, verse 3, God says, Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. It looks like it's lingering to you, but I don't see a delay. What looks like a lingering or a delay to you and me... Is totally different from God's perspective. And guess what? He can be trusted. <laughs> Sometimes we feel like God is taking way too long. Or am I the only one? No? Okay. Others are in the same boat. But God was saying this might take some time, but that does not mean it's not coming. Wait. I don't see this as a delay. Today, whatever circumstances you are facing, I invite you to hear this word from the Lord today. God does not see his timing as delay. He will be perfectly on time. He sees it as part of working all the pieces of his plan together. And finally, Habakkuk was stretched because God shows him his very character... In his actions actions speak louder than words right but God tells him what he's gonna do and he says the Babylonians are going to pay for what they do to you and my people yes I'm going to use them but I'm not gonna let their sin go unnoticed friends our God Is who he says he is. And he does what he says he will do. Chapter 2 records God speaking five woes. Warnings. With no ifs. This may not happen if. He's saying this is going to happen. So woe to you. This is going to be bad. And he's talking about the Babylonians. The people who do these things are going to feel my wrath. The first woe is to those who get wealthy by extortion and dishonest gain. The second is a woe to those who build nations and families of power and wealth through dishonest gain. So the first one is personal. The second one is more structural. Woe three is to those who oppress others and hurt others. Woe well, four is to those who take advantage of people to dishonor or humiliate, them, humiliate those people and do it to make themselves look better. And woe well, five is to those who worship anything but God and ascribe words to false gods. Woe, these people are going to pay a price. Babylonians will pay a price for what they do to my people. This helps Habakkuk realize that God is who he says he is. He will do it. And then verse 20 of chapter 2, God ends his statement with this, or his, his, his response with this statement. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. We've been having this conversation enough. I'm in charge. Respectful silence is called for. And I can almost see Habakkuk responding to this. Between chapter 2 verse 20 and chapter 3 verse 1, I kind of think that maybe Habakkuk got on his knees or on his face, or at least sil- silently sat in God's presence for a bit, with hands open and arms extended in surrender to the God who sits on his throne. And then we get to chapter 3. Habakkuk shifted his thinking and responded to his God instead of his circumstances. He recalls how God had indeed acted on behalf of his people throughout history. He talks about the flood. He talks about the way God rescued his people out of slavery in Egypt. He goes through the historical record of God's actions on behalf of his people. And in doing this, he is declaring that God is worthy of trust. He has a historical record that says we and I can trust him. Today, if you're facing circumstances that make you question whether God is present, I encourage you to look at the historical record. We have it in scripture. God has acted on behalf of his people. What about the lives of your friends and family? This is why it's important that we tell our Jesus stories to one another. Because we need to hear about the historical record of God's faithfulness in each other's lives. It encourages all of us. What about your own life? When has God shown up for you? If you can't remember a time... Holy Spirit, would you just bring to mind right now a time in anyone's mind who is is sitting here today saying, I don't remember a time when God has shown up. God, would you just open their eyes right now and let them see that? Mm -hmm. Scholars have identified several key verses in this little book. And I want to share those with you. The first one is chapter 2, verse 4. It says, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Those are God's words, and it's God's call. God says, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, those who are righteous will live in faithfulness. We see that language again in the New Testament. The righteous shall live by faith. And faith in scripture is belief and trust, and it's always active. It's not passive, but it's active, obedient. That's God's call to us today. When we don't understand and even when we cry out to God in frustration, God calls us to keep walking in faithfulness to him. The next key verse is 2.14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God was saying, that is my purpose. God's purpose is for the world to know him. And for there to be no one anywhere who misses that knowledge. Part of his glory is that he takes care of us, his people. But even though his purpose involves us, it doesn't revolve around us. That's important for us to remember. It's about him. And we have to remember when we're questioning God or struggling in life, we belong to him. We've been bought with a price and what he does with us is his choice. The next key verse is 220, where God says at the end of his second response, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. That's God's sovereignty. He is in charge. He alone is king and what he commands will be done. Let's remember God's sovereignty even when we're in difficult, painful circumstances. Two more key verses. The ending of chapter 3. Is key to understanding this book. But it's also key to understanding. Our relationship with God. Though the fig tree does not bud. And there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails. And the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen. And no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will. Rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful. In God my Savior. That's. Habakkuk's decision. What will ours be? The last key verse is in 319. Where Habakkuk's song ends, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. And that's Habakkuk's focus. I encourage you today, whatever you're facing, to turn your focus on who God is. Habakkuk's journey was that he came to a place of submission in place of doubt. Dependence instead of self-sufficiency. Peace instead of panic. when, When we don't see a plan... We need to remember who God is so that we can live in his peace instead of panicking because we're not in control. He came to a place of trust instead of turmoil. And trust is demonstrated through faithful obedience. And he came to a place of praise instead of questions. God never chastised him for his questions. But he sat with him and talked. So today, I invite you, because I'm a teacher, to take a test. <laughs> Are we honest with God? Do we listen to God? Do we receive the stretch when God brings it? And do we shift our eyes and our thinking to respond to God? When injustice seems to win, when wrong is treated like right, when we're in turmoil over the suffering caused by people, we can remember that God always has and always will make things right. We can be honest with God. We can listen to God. We can let God stretch us. We can shift our focus and respond to him. Let's remind ourselves that God notices injustice, oppression, mistreatment, deception, false religion. He notices. Let's repent if we're the ones who are guilty. And learn how to walk in righteousness. When we're the victims, let's remember that it has not gone unseen. Remind ourselves to depend on God. Remind ourselves of God's trustworthiness. He has a a track record that he can be trusted even when I don't understand. And let's remind ourselves of God's call to faithful obedience and that his purpose and plan is not centered on me. Over the last few weeks... I've personally faced something that's unfair, not in my work, not in my family, but in another area of my life. I've faced something that really stung. I've shed a few tears. And I've asked God, why have you been slow to fix the underlying issues that have brought us to this? I've had a few conversations with God. And when I looked at Habakkuk as a possible text for today, something about the conversation between him and God really struck me. So I told Pastor Brent that's the one that I would take. But as I studied and prepared, I realized this was God's word to me. I need to live in faithfulness, waiting on God, remembering that his plan is not about me, and that he sees what's happening, and he sees the pieces that are not right, and he will act, he can be trusted. But I have to look to him. It doesn't mean that the issues don't hurt. It doesn't mean that the injustice suddenly doesn't sting. But it does mean... That even though things are not okay, I am. I'm in God's hands and He can be trusted. And I don't know where you are today. But will you hear what the Lord says through Habakkuk? Will you hear the major word from this minor prophet? (laughs) Will you listen? And will you respond? Be honest with God. Respond to his call for faithful obedience. And shift your focus to who your God is. Holy Spirit, I don't know all that my brothers and sisters are facing today. But I know that we live in a world that's hard because sin has marred it. It's not what you designed And Lord, I also believe your word, and I know your track record with me. I know that you are faithful. Would you help my brothers and sisters to hear this word, not only from the written word, but also from your heart directly to theirs, saying their name. Would you help them to hear your spirit today, I pray. As the worship team comes, I just want to give you a moment to hear the word of the Lord to you and respond. I don't know what you need to to set right with God, what questions you need to bring to God, where you need to surrender to him. But I know that the invitation is there. So Holy Spirit, would you speak? We surrender to you. Thank you for your sovereignty. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for listening to the cry of our hearts. (laughs) And thank you that you are a God who does what you say you will do. You can be trusted. in our hearts today.